One Church podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. And for more information, please visit us on the web at onechurch.net. Awesome. Well, good morning, everybody. I'll try that again. Everybody sound a little quiet. Good morning, everybody. So, so good to see you all. And uh, first of all, I just want to say congratulations. You found us this morning. And I know this is a uh, Where's One Church uh, game. You're familiar with Where's Waldo. Uh, this is Where's One Church. And uh, you win today. You found us. And uh, it is so, so good to be together. I know Nate already said that, um, but it is so good to be together. I'll mention one thing uh, just because I will regret it if I don't mention it, and that is this. We have, we're not passing the offering buckets today, but we do have a little box on the table uh, in the lobby. And so you can, of course, as always, give online, uh, worship the Lord through your giving online, or you can drop in that little uh, bucket uh, as you leave today. And like I said, uh, I'm mentioning that uh, because I'll regret it tomorrow if I don't, okay? So anyway, well, it's so good to be together and to be in this place um, this morning. And uh, who has never been with one church here at the Winter Park Community Center before? Uh, well, we're so glad that you're here. I know some of you are here for the very first time. Some of you have been a part of our community and here at the Community Center the first time uh, that we're here. Those of you that have been with us uh, for a long time, you know that uh, this is kind of a homecoming uh, for One Church Park District because this is where we actually had our very first service ever. Actually, it was this uh, this partition was closed, and it was in this room that we had our very first uh, public service ever. And uh, so it's great to be back. I was thinking about uh, just looking across the room in worship, and I was thinking about some of the uh, people who I met for the first time here in this place. Uh, Bill, I met you for the first time. You walked in, I think, saw our, us unloading outside and walked in for the first time here. Uh, Ross and Brittany Smith, Brittany was on the worship team. Uh, they came. Uh, I remember one of the Sundays that they came here. And, uh, you know, in the early days of a church plant, um, you know, you don't have a whole lot to offer other than Jesus. And uh, we had good coffee and we had Jesus. And if you didn't like that, uh, we didn't have much else going on. Um, but I remember the Sunday that Ross and Brittany came, and uh, I remember thinking, wow, here's a, uh, here's a couple that's coming in. They've moved back to the area. I hope they'll join our community. And um, I remember it was one of those Sundays. It was before Daniel was serving on the uh, production team. And uh, it was kind of one of those moments, you know, like I said, in a church plant in the early days, uh, you know, if you have uh, opposable thumbs, you can run the soundboard. That's kind of the uh, bare minimum uh, level. And so I remember it was one of those Sundays that the sound uh, system got like demon possessed and started squealing uh, in the middle of the service. And I thought, well, that's the last time we'll see that that sweet couple. Uh, they won't be back, but uh, here they are these years later, and um, it's just awesome what God's done. I'm so grateful, and I want to say to you guys, um, I want to say thank you to all of you guys just for your faithfulness in this season. Uh, thank you for the way that you sacrificed and given, uh, supported, stayed together. Um, thank you. I know it's been tough. Um, 
But I just want to say how grateful we are. I shouldn't be crying. Normally, if you're going to cry in a message, do it at the end, okay? Not the beginning. It sets a, a bad atmosphere for the whole thing. But I, I'm not planning that. But uh, I just want to say thank you all. And, um, you know, our eldership team, thank you guys. Can we put our hands together for our eldership team, house church leaders, and uh, just everybody that's been, that's been faithful in this crazy season. Who would have ever thought? I mean, if you told me a year ago, uh, you're not going to meet weekly for 11 months. I'd say, well, I, you know, the, I used to think if we had a hurricane, that was the end of the church, you know. And apparently God's church is stronger uh, than, than even our own ability, our own efforts. And so we are seeing God, even in this season, moving in awesome ways. And I'm so grateful for that. And, uh, you know, it's easy sometimes to look back, even now we're at the beginning of this new year, finishing this season of prayer and fasting, and uh, in many ways it's easy to look back and just to, to almost get, a, you know, spiritually nostalgic uh, towards everything in the past, what God did in the past, and remember the good old days. And I'm so grateful for all of those things, but I, I just really believe that everything God has for us, or let me say it this way, the best things that God has for us is still ahead of us. The best things that God has for us. In fact, I believe that when you walk by faith, uh, the best is always yet to come. Uh, when you follow Jesus, it doesn't mean that life is easy. It doesn't mean that you're going to have, uh, you know, smooth sailing but this is the reality that there is always good things and the best things still ahead of us. And I believe that's true for us. I believe that's true for us as a community. Uh, I believe it's true for every single one of you in your homes, your families, uh, that God has great things ahead of us. And so, uh, you know, the, the book of Hebrews says this, that um, now faith is, thank you, babe. I must have snot visibly on my face right now. <laughs> Did I? Thank you. A little, just a little bit. That's all right. Just a little bit. We're not in a global pandemic or anything like that. Um, but uh, the, the Bible says in the book of Hebrews 11 that now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And so faith, when you walk by faith, live by faith, you always have this sense of hope and expectation uh, of what God has in store. I believe if we walk by faith, we should always have a forward, uh, future-focused orientation. And that's what I want to speak to you about today. I want to speak to you today a message that I'm calling Forward Faith. And uh, if you have your Bible, you can grab it with me and turn to 2 Kings chapter 7. 2 Kings chapter 7. And uh, this is an incredible story. You know, when, we, when you live by faith, you always have that future uh, vision. But the reality is that life, uh, apart from faith, apart from the work of the Holy Spirit and the, the good news of the gospel, uh, life just has a way of pulling you down. Uh, if you just go through life in this broken world that we live in, you will not become a natural optimist. You will become a natural pessimist. Uh, life just pulls you down. Uh, the circumstances, the problems, uh, emotionally, spiritually, physically. Uh, I, I don't know if you've realized this, but, uh, you know, you reach a certain age and things don't get better. They get worse physically, right? And, uh, and that's the reality of life. And we find in this passage in 2 Kings chapter 7, this uh, little uh, 
that is kind of in this place where they are stuck. And, you know, life can, in the natural, just has a way of making you stuck. I don't know if you have felt that way over the last 11 months or so, um, but, you know, it kind of feels like in some ways we're just stuck. I, I heard somebody say it's kind of like living in Groundhog Day. Every day is just the same. Every day, you know, you, you're limited on where you can go, limited in what you do. Um, we've got the same routine. Now when we walk out the door, it's keys, wallet, phone, mask, right? And it's just do the same thing again and again. And, um, and the Bible tells this great story in Second Kings about this group that was in that place that they were stuck. Uh, and if you read the whole context of this story, uh, they were in the city of Samaria, which was a part of Israel, a part of God's people. And uh, these four men had leprosy. And, and because they had leprosy, they had been put out of the city. And so they were outside the gates of the city. And to make matters worse, uh, the city was now under siege by the Syrians. So they were kind of caught in a, between a rock and a hard place. They were put outside of the city. Uh, they couldn't go back in, and they, they, they couldn't stay where they were, and now there's an, an opposing army that's moving in on them. And I want to pick up in 2 Kings, chapter three, uh, 2 Kings chapter 7, verse 3, it says this, Now there were four leprous men at the entrance of the gate, and they said to one another, Why are we sitting here until we die? I want to read that question again, because I believe God wants that to get into our hearts today. They said to one another, why are we sitting here until we die? If we say we will enter the city, the famine is in the city and we shall die there. And if we sit here, we die also. Now, therefore, come, let us surrender to the army of the Syrians. If they keep us alive, we shall live and if they kill us, we shall only die. How many of you know that that's not a great place to be? Your best option is uh, we're going to surrender to the Syrians and, you know, they may kill us. They'll probably kill us. But if we stay here, we're definitely going to die. So it's probably die versus definitely die. That's their options. And, you know, it's interesting uh, this is really the place that they're in, and I know many of us can relate to this, that sometimes we find ourselves in a place where we can't go back to where we used to be, and we can't stay where we are. That's where they were at. They couldn't go back into the city. They had been locked out. But now they're in this place. They say, if we just stay here, we're going to die. Why should we stay here until we die? And, you know, many of us can find ourselves in that place. We, you know, want to go back. I know that's kind of been a refrain in, you know, uh, among church oftentimes is we just want to go back. And, and I got to tell you, I, I, I feel that to the degree of, man, I love being together. I can tell you this, as a pastor, I love being together more than anybody else. I love being together. There's nothing like gathering with the church but the reality is that what God has for us ahead of us is greater than what's behind us. And it's interesting when you read this passage, here they are outside of the city. 
And, you know, in the natural, their greatest aspirations were, well, maybe they'd let us back into the city. But it's interesting when you look at what was going on in the city. I won't read the whole context this morning, but it was a bad place in the city. The Bible says that they, were, they had come to the place that they were so poor because they were under the siege of the Syrians that they didn't even have food to eat. They had resorted to, uh, we don't know if they were eating dove droppings or using it in some other creative way. I'll leave it to your imagination, but they were buying dove droppings. When there is a market for dove droppings, it's a bad day. I, I mean, TP would have been the least of their worries. They, they, they were going after dove droppings. And not only that, and I'll, I'll refrain from being graphic, but the Bible says they had resorted to cannibalizing their own children. What a horrific place to be. Now keep in mind, these are God's people. These are the descendants of Abraham that God had promised, I'm going to bring you into a land flowing with milk and honey, and your descendants are going to be as numerous as the stars in the sky. And now they're in the place that they are eating dove droppings, and they are, have resorted to cannibalism. And, and, and I believe that is in many ways a picture of where we can find ourselves if our greatest vision is, let's just go back. Uh, Matt spoke a, a prophetic word a number of weeks ago, and it was the word charge. And charge is such a powerful word because there's so many nuanced meanings to the word, but it is a rallying cry to move forward. And I believe that's what God is wanting to say to us today. Let's move forward. If, if we had a, a dime, a nickel for every time we think about let's just go back, Many of us would be rich people. But it's a picture in the city of really the condition of much of the church today. They're eating dove droppings and cannibalizing their children. You know, the Apostle Paul used manure and dung as a picture of religion, of earthly self-efforts. When God has called us to eat true food, true spiritual food, but so many times we are content to feast on religion. Let's just go through the motions. Let's just do what we've always done. And will you notice that it's, it's not just droppings, it's dove droppings. In, in the New Testament, a dove is often the symbol of the Holy Spirit. And what are dove droppings? Dove droppings, I know you weren't planning to hear about dove droppings today at church. But dove droppings is what's left behind where the dove used to be. And, and when you are dealing with dove droppings, you have lost the dove. You're getting stuck where the dove used to be. And that was all that they had to go back to, let alone the fact that they were cannibalizing their children when they had been called to multiply and to fill the earth. What a picture of much of the church. God said, make disciples of all nations. And much of the church has resorted to feeding off of 
Christians from other churches. The body of Christ cannibalizing themselves rather than giving birth. God's not called us to go back. God's called us to go forward. I love the good old days. I mean, I, I, I will sing Ron Canoli. I will sing some. If you don't know who Ron Canoli is, you weren't there, okay? You don't know. Delirious. That was a great song this morning. But God has more ahead of us. He has more ahead of us. Let's not make the, the object of our faith to go back. Let's make the object of our faith to go forward into everything that God has for us. Why should we sit here until we die? And it goes on. They say if we go, if we go out, they may kill us. If we stay here, we're definitely going to die. And in verse 5, it says, Then they rose at twilight to go to the camp of the Syrians. And when they had come to the outskirts of the Syrian camp, to their surprise, no one was there. For the Lord had caused the army of the Syrians to hear the noise of chariots and the noise of horses, the noise of a great army. So they said to one another, Look, the king of Israel has hired against us the kings of the Hittites and the kings of the Egyptians to attack us. Therefore they arose and fled at twilight and left the camp intact, their tents, their horses, and their donkeys, and they fled for their lives. And when these lepers came to the outskirts of the camp, can you see the four lepers hobbling up to the outskirts of the camp, thinking death is probably imminent? It says when they came to the outskirts of the camp, they went into one tent and ate and drank and carried from it silver and gold and clothing and went and hid them. And they came back and entered another tent and carried some from there also and went and hid it. And they said to one another, we are not doing right. This is a day of good news and we remain silent. If we wait until light, some punishment will come upon us. Now, therefore, come, let us go and tell the king's household. And if you read the rest of the passage, you know that God used these four lepers and the miracle that God worked through these four lepers to bring salvation to the whole city. What an incredible turn of events. The, the, the chapter opens, these four are stuck and by the end of the chapter, God's used them to bring salvation to the whole city. I believe the moments when we feel like I can't go back to where I used to be, and I can't stay where I am, and I don't even see a way forward, I believe that is the very moment that God moves in on our behalf. I believe that is the recipe for a miracle. God loves to show up and show off when the when, when the, fa the the uh, when when the circumstance circumstances are stacked against him, that's when God loves to show up. And, and I believe for every one of us, this is a great encouragement. That if you feel stuck, it's an opportunity for God to work a miracle in our situation. And God, I believe, is saying to us, "Don't get stuck. Go forward. Move forward into everything I have for you." And let me tell you this, uh, 
2019, as wonderful as it was, we didn't even know what COVID-19 meant. But let me tell you, we had not experienced everything that God has for us. God has more ahead of us than what's behind us. And so I believe he wants us to live with forward faith. And so I want to give you from this passage today four keys to forward faith. If we want to move into what God has for us in 2021 and beyond, four things that that we can see from these lepers that I believe God wants us to, to follow their example in order to move forward into everything he has. The first thing that I believe we have to do, the first key Uh, of forward faith is this. We need to stand up. Stand up. Now, you don't have to stand up right now. Although, if you get carried away and you've got to stand up, you can stand up. But look at what the Bible says in verse 5. It says, they rose at twilight. Notice that everything started when they stood up. They didn't even have a good place to go at that point in time. They didn't have an opportunity. They didn't have an open door. They didn't have any weapons. They just came to the place where they said, we don't know exactly where we're going, but we're not going to stay where we're at. And I believe God begins to work in all of our hearts through what I would call a divine discontent where we say, I I don't really even know where I'm going to go. I don't know what's going to happen, but I'm just making the decision, I'm not going to stay here. I'm not going to stay here. You see, that's really a picture of even how salvation works. Oftentimes, when we make the decision to respond to Jesus, we don't even know what that means. We just say, I know what my life has been, and I don't want to stay where I am. And Jesus, if you say there's something better ahead of me, I don't even know what that is, but it can't be any worse than where I'm at. So I'm going to rise up. And I believe God wants all of us to have a a spiritual uprising in our hearts, a release of faith in our hearts that just says, I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired. How was it that Popeye said it? I've had all I can stands and I can't stands no more. I believe that's the beginning of faith. That's the beginning of faith. And and notice this. God didn't say to them, I want you to get up. Sometimes we wait around for God to tell us to do something. Rather than doing what we can where we're at. Now, if you read the context of this passage, God was working in advance. He prophesied through Elisha, by this time tomorrow, there will be a breakthrough in the city. They didn't know that. They just said, I can't stay here. I I believe God uses our divine discontent. And normally when we're discontent, we don't know it's divine. It's just, I, I, this stinks. We are dying here. I'm not staying here. I don't know where I'm going, but I know I'm not staying here. And God is at work through that. God is at work through that. On the front side, we think it's our initiative. On the back side, we go, wow, God was at work. 
God was at work. Have you ever done something like that? You thought you were just doing what you can, and then you look back and you said, God was lining it all up. I've heard somebody say it this way. You walk through the door on the front side, it, it says God's, uh, on the front side, it says my free will. But you walk through the door on the back side and it says God's sovereign plan. Because God will use our will to accomplish his purpose. And so there needs to be a recognition of a divine discontent. I'm not staying where I am. They stood up. The second thing that they did, I want you to see, is that they stayed together. They stayed together. Look at what it says in verse 4. They said, if we sit here, we die also. Now, therefore, come, let us surrender to the army of the Syrians. If they keep us alive, we shall also live. If they kill us, we shall only die. Now, I'm not an English teacher, but I believe that is what an English teacher would call a plural pronoun. Us and we. And I want you to notice the language that they are using. They said, whether we live or whether we die, we're going to do it together. We're going to do it together. I don't know if you've noticed this, but difficulty has a way of bringing division out. If there is division, if there is any uh, cracks in the foundation of unity, when you go through difficulty, it will bring that to the surface. And certainly these lepers could have had that opportunity to say, you're the one that gave me leprosy. Get away from me. Why would I stay with you guys? Y'all are a bunch of lepers. Then they could have said, I'm, go I'm going my way. Y'all go do your thing. I'm doing my thing. But notice the language. They said, let us, let us. I, I want you to know that is the language of heaven. That is the language of heaven. Have you ever noticed the difference in the language between Lucifer when he rose up versus the language of God? Lucifer in the book of Isaiah, it records the words of Lucifer when he rises up against God and he says, I will rise up. I will ascend. I will be like the Most High. It's the unholy trinity of me, myself, and I. But the language of God in creation is, let us make man in our image. Let us. There is a plurality. And I want you to see this, that everything that God does, he does it in an atmosphere of unity. He does it in an atmosphere of togetherness. And here they were, they set out. And I believe this, that the power of these lepers was not in their ability. It wasn't that they, in their own ability, overthrew the Syrian army. It wasn't in their ability. It was in their agreement. It was in their agreement. You know, we find ourselves in a time that division has been more of a, it's always been a danger. It's always been the tool of the enemy. That's why we call the church one church, because we just believe that unity is God's ultimate uh, priority because it reflects his nature but also disunity is satan's ultimate weapon as jesus said and abraham lincoln made famous a house divided against itself cannot stand you don't have to defeat someone just divide them in fact the enemy can't defeat the church but he can divide us 
He can divide us. Who would have ever thought that we'd find ourselves in this time where we would be dividing around masks or no masks or, uh, you know, this political perspective or that political perspective? And look, I'm not saying that those things don't matter. I'm not saying that we shouldn't have a conviction in our own hearts of what we feel is right. But let me just say this. Don't let it be a point of division. Don't let it. One church, Park District, don't let it divide. I love what Paul said to a couple of people that he records in a letter. I believe it's in Corinthians. No, it's in Philippians. He says, I appeal to you, be of the same mind. Be of the same mind. Why? Because it's not in our ability, it's in our agreement. That's the principle of agreement. So number one, we need to stand up. Number two, we need to stay together. Stay together. Look at your neighbor say, stay together. I haven't done that in a long time. I've been wanting to do that. <laughs> Old school, yeah. It doesn't work quite as well through the video, but uh, anyway. So uh, number three, stand up, stay together. Number three, step out, step out. Look at what the Bible says in Verse 6, it says this, that the Lord had caused the army of the Syrians to hear the noise of the chariots and the noise of the horses, the noise of a great army. Verse 7, it goes on to say, therefore they arose and fled at twilight. They fled at twilight. Did you notice what else happened at twilight? They, the, the lepers set out at twilight. And it was at the same time the lepers set out is the same time the enemy army fled. In other words, God was working while they were walking. God was working while they were walking. Oftentimes we don't experience what God wants to do because we are waiting when he's called us to be walking, to be working, to be moving. And I don't know at what point it was in their wake-up process, but sometime when the lepers were pulling themselves together, pun intended, lepers pulling themselves together, that, yeah, bad joke, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. We can edit those when it's online, but in person they just come out. So, But they were, they were walking and God was working. And, and here's what I want you to see, as one of my friends says, that the miracle is in the movement. The miracle is in the movement. They, they didn't wait and go, does it look like they fled yet? Let's just keep waiting. They said, no, we're going to go. And as they went, God was working. I love what Reinhard Bonnke, the hero of the faith, said. And it was this. He said that God will... Work with the workers and he will move with the movers, but God does not sit with the sitters. Those who are eternally seeking the will of God will be run over by those doing the will of God. And so if we are perpetually waiting for God to move, we will not see God do what he wants to do on our behalf. Think about it throughout the Bible again and again. God uses this principle of activation it, that, that when people respond in faith, God moves on their behalf. I, I love the story of Jesus turning the water into wine. 
And the Bible says that Jesus told the servants to go get these vessels, and they filled the vessels, and it was as they were filling the vessels that God began to work a miracle. If they had waited for the water to turn into wine, it never would have turned into wine. But it, the miracle was in the movement. I love the story of Jesus when the, with the ten lepers when he says, go, your, go show yourselves to the priest. And the Bible says this, that as they went, they were healed. In other words, if they had never gone, if they had never stepped out, they never would have had the healing. And so we need to not only stand up, stay together, we need to step out. Uh, God is calling us to step out in areas of faith. I know in the natural, sometimes we look and we say, well, this is the worst time to step out. This is the worst time. You know, maybe it's in the area of our finances and we feel like, well, when I have enough money, then I'll honor God. Then I'll begin to tithe. I'll begin to be generous. Well, the miracle happens as we begin to step out. Sometimes we say, well, one day when I have some spare time, I'll begin to serve others. I'll really begin to read my Bible. I'll really begin to, to seek the Lord. But the miracle is in the movement. The time happens when you begin to do what you can with what you have. So we need to step out. The fourth thing that I want you to see is this. It says in, in verse 9, the worship team, you guys, or Kindle, whoever you want to come up, you guys can come up and we're going to land. I can see the kids back there, which is a wonderful reminder not to go too long. So I don't know how we, how that plan happened, but it's perfect. It's good. Um, <laughs> verse 9, it says this. Actually, verse 8, it says, When the lepers came to the outskirts of the camp, they went into one tent and ate and drank and carried from it silver and gold and clothing and went and hid them. And they came back and in, entered another tent and carried some from there also and went and hid it. Can you see these lepers? These guys that had nothing. They were the outcast. They were in this place that all they had left was death. And here they've found themselves now in this place where all of the wealth of the Syrians, all of the riches of Syria has been given to them. I don't know if you can see them. I envision them grabbing the king's crowns and putting on the king's crowns. I, I envision them kind of putting on the royal robes and saying to one another, how do I look? How do I look in this? I envision them putting on the king's jewelry and all of the wealth. The feast of the king's table was waiting for them. And they've received it all and they say, this is a day of good news. And we remain silent. The fourth thing I believe we have to do is we have to speak up. We have to speak up. We have received so much. The Bible says this. The Apostle Paul said that Jesus became poor so that we through his poverty might become rich. I'm not just talking about stock market wealth that can take wings and fly away. I'm not talking about the economies of this world. I'm talking about true riches that money can't buy. Peace. Joy, 
hope, destiny. That's the true riches that we've been given through Jesus. I love what Romans chapter 5 verse 17 says, that even as death came through one and spread to all, even so, those who receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness will reign in life through Jesus Christ. What a beautiful picture. I want you to see, and I want you to notice this. Those who receive this grace, receive it. Not earn it. Those who receive it. These lepers, they didn't earn anything. They didn't do anything. They simply stepped out. It was the gift of grace. It was God's grace. Those who receive, that's the picture of God's grace. Everything God has for us is grace. Even when you stand up and step out and God shows up and shows off, we can't take any credit for it. It's still God's grace. We received it, but we reign in life, not just after death, although praise God we have that assurance. But God wants us to reign in life. God wants us to experience his goodness in this life, not just for ourselves, but that we can share it with the world around us. They said, we've become rich. We are filthy rich, and we've kept it to ourselves. How many times have we failed to share with others the goodness of God, the grace of God? When others tell us how anxious they are, others tell us how fearful they are, others tell us how insecure they are. Do we share the grace of God? Do we share the goodness of God or do we keep it to ourselves? It was through their witness that God brought salvation to the city. When God works on our behalf, it's never for us to just keep it to ourselves. Amen? I'm going to ask you if you would just to stand.